is Gothic Victorian, an architectural style which celebrated the grandeur and decoration of the great buildings of the Middle Ages. Pugin was a devout Catholic who saw a strong connection between architecture and religion. He was a perfectionist and a workaholic. He suffered a nervous breakdown in his late thirties and died shortly afterwards. The nineteenth century was a time of great economic expansion, technical innovation, and scientific discovery in Britain. So why, you might wonder, was the architectural style so archaic? Well, perhaps one reason is that at a time when the world was changing so fast, with so many people suddenly becoming rich and so many more living in ever more squalid conditions. People looked back nostalgically to what they saw as a time of order, of noble values, and chivalry. This new palace of Westminster was only opened in 1870. It has a hundred staircases, eleven courtyards, and nearly 1,100 rooms. And because it's still a royal palace, its eight bars have no official closing hours. Unlike almost every other bar and pub in Britain, between Westminster Hall and Big Ben, are the private offices of government ministers, and behind them, facing the river, is the residence of the Speaker, the person whose job it is to keep the House of Commons in order. To the right of Westminster Hall, is St Stephen's entrance, the main way into the palace for people with appointments with politicians. It leads to the central lobby, which is a bustling meeting place at the very heart of the palace. The next entrance, along to the right, as you look at the building, is the peers' entrance, which is for members of the upper house, the House of Lords. To the right of that, underneath the tower, is the sovereign's entrance, where the Queen arrives for the official state opening of Parliament in November. Her Majesty then takes her place in the House of Lords on a throne designed by Augustus Pugin, and sends her official, who is known as Black Rod, to summon MPs from the House of Commons. It's traditional when Black Rod arrives at the Commons for the door to be slammed shut in his face, so that he has to knock on it with his rod. This ceremony is to emphasise the independence of the Commons from the monarch. She can summon them, but they'll only come and see her when they're good and ready. Continuing that theme, the statue that you can see in front of Westminster Hall is Oliver Cromwell. During the 17th century, King Charles I, a believer in the divine right of kings to rule their subjects, insisted on governing without Parliament. This led to a bitter civil war between the king's forces. Known as the Cavaliers, and the Roundheads, led by Oliver Cromwell. Cromwell's Roundheads defeated the Cavaliers, and Charles was later tried in Westminster Hall, and then executed. Cromwell became Lord Protector, the nearest thing Britain has ever had to a president. He was a skilful soldier, and also a deeply religious man who shunned luxury and frivolity. But Cromwell had no successor. And after his death, the country chose to become a monarchy again. The other most famous statue here is that of Sir Winston Churchill. 
It's over on the grass in the middle of the square, facing the palace. Now, if you look round to the right, away from the Palace of Westminster, you'll see another great historical building. Westminster Abbey, with its columns and its large round stained glass window. Don't get the Abbey confused, by the way, with the smaller Church of St. Margaret's, which is in front of it, and which has a single tower with a blue sundial on it. It's interesting to compare the Palace of Westminster with the original 15th century Gothic style of St. Margaret's, which was built by the same craftsman whose job it was to look after and restore Westminster Abbey. Sir Walter Raleigh is buried at St. Margaret's, and John Milton and Samuel Pepys were both married here. Back to Westminster Abbey. Although there was a Saxon church on the site, the abbey was built like the original Palace of Westminster.